Good morning, and welcome to an episode of Spikes. Well, perhaps you wondered if you were ever going to hear any more, but um, yes, I'm back with the microphone attached to my hat. Um, just in the kitchen, just getting a few things sorted out before I venture outside, so you'll get a bit of crinkling and other associated noises, but anyway, it'll get us going in just a couple of minutes now. Um, I just want to say that uh, it's been a little while, but whilst I haven't been that busy, others have, and um, I've got a, a report coming up for you from Honest Jim, Jim Harris, when he um, took part in the Manchester Marathon. So we'll be hearing that in, in just a few minutes. Um, and as for me, well, uh, I suppose the thing is, that, you know, a few years now, you know, whilst I've been involved with podcasting, I think it's my fifth year now coming up, which seems extraordinary. Um, and quite early on, I, I became friends with um, with, Ed, with uh, Kevin, Kevin Gwynn. Um, and through Kevin and others, I really heard a lot about the run, walk, run method of exercise. Um, and, I, and I didn't dismiss this out of hand. Um, I certainly gave it a couple of goes. And it was always interesting, but um, I was at that stage then, you know, still coming off the back of many, many years of running where I found the notion of of walking during a run uh, I had quite a negative feeling to me I can't, I can't deny it I felt didn't feel it was quite right for me um, it was interesting because the whole technique isn't a lot slower or wasn't a lot slower than my run because I'd find taking a, a minute walk break I would walk pretty hard and then when I took my five or six minutes running uh, to kind of compensate for the walk I'd given myself, I would I would then run even harder. So um, the times were not vastly different. But but anyway, it didn't really work for me. Um, wasn't really comfortable with it. So at that point, I I said to Kevin, "Hey Kevin, um, thanks for telling me all about this, but I think I'm probably going to stick with the run with my running technique." Maybe till, uh, till I'm 60, then I might try run, walk, run again. So, the years roll by, and uh, as you well know, listening to this podcast, um, other things happened. You know, the old whole bowel cancer issue had to be worked through. And you know, it's interesting that pretty much the weekend before surgery, I did a 12 mile run very comfortably. Um, and but since surgery, it's never been quite as strong. Oh my. I don't know my um any zip I ever had kind of gone now 
and uh, I found myself over the last couple of years just still exercising but uh, increasingly just going for a run became quite an effort and so um, as you again regular listeners will know I am um, I bought a, a rowing machine and my concept two and I use that that's been pretty much every other day so I run one day and row the next and that's that sustained me you know I'm now in fact I'm gonna be 62 tomorrow and I'm still tolerably fit um, but earlier this year yeah maybe two two or three months back I've had a series of um, things where I would pull a muscle or tweak something and that stopped me running for a little while and then uh, I got a cough or a cold or whatever and uh, that kind of grounded me for a little while and uh, what I decided to do at one point because I just felt I was getting heavier was um, I would opt just to walk and uh, you know good I'm talking about you know walking uh, 15 minute miling three uh, four miles an hour so it wasn't wasn't a slouchy pace it was fairly brisk actually I really enjoyed it um, the problem is like most of us who've run I want to cover the ground feel I want to cover the ground a bit quicker and uh, so I thought well perhaps this is the time to opt for some run walk run and uh, as you'll tell I'm sure from the various bleeps and tones that's what I've been that's what I'm doing today uh, I've been doing it the last two or three weeks um, tried a couple of different intervals at the moment I'm working on a two to one minute run walk ratio um, which I find is it's comfortable and pleasant uh, I'm covering uh, my distances and about about nine and a half minute miling which is actually not bad at all I think today might be a little slower because I'm trying to record during the run phase and I don't want to be too short of breath for that bit so I suspect we're going to be up around 10 maybe 10 and a half minute miling um, and you know for me 
where I am right now with the exercise yeah this is this is working well so as the old adage says never say never and keep an open mind um, so yeah generally as I look forward to my birthday tomorrow yeah I'm feeling feeling good life is so rich it's treated us so well um, and I say Astia and Gina is also doing well um, she finished her radiotherapy in January as I told you before um, she still finds she tires quite easily so she's finding a whole day at work in her veterinary practice is a real a real effort um, she's still finding half days work better <coughs> and she she's only doing still a day and a half a week which is you know what we don't what we've opted for um, because it gives us more time together gives her more time and indeed us to fit in other important things in our lives and uh, yeah the day and a half not ideally three mornings works best for her um, not least because mornings are usually dedicated to surgery and uh, she is a fine and experienced surgeon and uh, and it brings her great joy <coughs> um, I wish I had her dexterity <laughs> me I'm an old engineer big hammer I'll sort it but uh, uh, Gina is is the person of light touch <coughs> so uh, perhaps at this point let's hear from James and his experience in the Manchester Marathon over to you Jim Hi Peter and all the Spikes listeners it's uh, Honest Jim here, uh, James, uh, giving you a belated marathon report from uh, Manchester Marathon. Sorry for the delay in um, recording the message. Um, it's been a bit of a recovery process. Uh, physically, pretty fine. Uh, I've done it last Sunday, the race, and I've ran four times this week, actually. Um, all soft, grassy, sort of four-mile runs. Uh, across the muddy fields um, the recovery more is um, sort of a mental one uh, I really put it out there this time that I was going for my sub 315 attempt and um, I'll cut to the chase I did not get it uh, I went I put everything on the line um, and it went wrong <laughs> uh, 
anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a bit more information now. Um, sorry to go to the punchline straight away, but uh, I think it's pretty obvious in my tone um, that it's a, it's a difficult one to talk about, really. Um, some marathons you do, um, and you make mistakes, and they're blaringly obvious to you where you went wrong. Um, this one wasn't so obvious. Uh, I think... I think I made smaller uh, sort of mistakes maybe before the race um, that I needed a bit more looking at this week, really. Um, but anyway, Manchester Marathon. Um, I went up the night before uh, with my wife and my kids, um, stayed in Altrincham. Uh, that's a sort of um, seven miles outside of uh, Manchester. <laughs> And it's linked to Manchester by a metro system, uh, sort of a, a, a tram, if you like, um, which which worked brilliantly, actually. Um, we got there on the Saturday, race was obviously on the Sunday, um, we went into uh, Manchester, had a little look around, I wanted to sort of see where the race start was and the journey I was going to have to do on the Sunday morning, um, just to sort of take that, that sort of pressure off my mind. Um, had um, the, this this year it was actually um, held uh, the uh, start and uh, the the baggage area and what's laughed would be called the expo uh, was actually held at the county cricket ground in Manchester. Unlike previous years, it's been the uh, football ground. Um, something I think the organisers will have wished they hadn't changed. When I'll uh, but I'll get to that a bit later. Um, we made our way on the Saturday uh, to um, the cricket ground. Uh, the expo really wasn't much um, other than two or three very sort of small stands. Uh, I'd call them stands, but there, there wasn't much. Um, the main promoter, uh, which, I, which I think was ASICS, I don't know, ASICS, I'm not really sure because I didn't really pay much attention. Um, they, they were there. Um, but it was a bit of a bit of a limp sort of you know limp squid really because uh, they'd offered um, personalised racing bands, but on the day when I got there, they they said they couldn't couldn't do them. The the server or something was down, and I thought, well, right, okay, um, not that that mattered. I wasn't really relying on that. I know what pace I need to do. I don't need a band to tell me. I know if I'm below my average pace. I mean that's what my watch is telling me. Um, so it, it didn't really matter. Um, there was another stand there for uh, people who perhaps were overseas runners coming in um, who who hadn't uh, received received their race number, um, but that was about it really. There was was wasn't there anything there at all. Um, so we wandered up to the start line, um, which sort of is a, it was an arch archway, um, and there wasn't really much going on there either. Um, so. We, um, well, I put my mind at ease, so I knew where I was going. Um, I printed a map off um, and laminated it for my wife, some I always do now before races, because on one race, uh, I think I'd given her a map of the route, and uh, it rained, and um, all she ended up with was with a, a sort of limp bit of um, moist paper in her hand at the end, um, you know, which wasn't much good to anyone, so I always try and... Uh, print the route off, laminate it, and then pinpoint 
three or four places on the route that I think she could get to quite easily and tell her exactly what time I should be there. Um, and on this occasion, it was uh, four sort of spots on the marathon route which should have, she'd be able to use the tram metro link to sort of jump around um, the course a little bit and uh, sort of see me. Um, and that, that did actually sort of work out fine. Um, but anyway, get ahead of myself. Um, where it went wrong, uh, and this is what I want to try and sort of um, look at in the future if I'm going to try and beat uh, this 315 that's been hanging around my neck now for quite a long time. Uh, my personal best is 3.23, and I know a few people sort of saying, well, that's a huge leap from 3.23 to 3.15, but this time I really thought I'd be able to do it because I'd done an awful lot of um, race pace running, and um, I sort of felt as if I was fitter than I've ever been, and I was more comfortable at that pace than I'd ever been as well, um, so I did think I'd... I'd had a pretty good chance at it this time. I'll admit I have actually done less miles um, on this on the run up to this marathon than I've done on almost all my other marathons. But I felt as though the running I had done was more uh, specific to that pace, um, and there was less sort of jump mileage. So I did think this one would be a good, pretty good chance for me to do it. Um, but anyway. Um, as I said earlier, my children came with me, um, and anyone with reasonably young children will know oh, they can be quite difficult <laughs> when they want to be. Uh, I really think in the future, if I'm going to give myself a good chance of going for this sub-315, I might, on the next city marathon, leave the children at home. Um, it can cause myself and my wife a lot of stress if the children are misbehaving and even if I'm not around I know she's having to deal with it uh, which still gives me stress even though I'm not dealing with it and I'm sure you'll all know you know all you runners who are partners who look after the kids sort of know your mind is, isn't completely at ease if you know they're getting a hard time um, so that might be one of the things that I sort of look at you know in, in the future um, but uh, anyway, the um, the hotel we stayed in, in Altrincham, um, was uh, a great sort of hotel. Um, the room we stayed in was uh, enormous. Um, it was more of a sort of apartment, really. Um, so it's not as if we're all on top of each other. Um, the children had a separate uh, twin room. Uh, although it's all one room, um, but they, they were in a sort of annex, if you like, um, our room was to one side and the children were in a room with two single beds plus a living area so it was really quite large uh, when I turned up at the hotel I was slightly nervous because there was a wedding party gathering outside of it and I sort of thought oh god here we go is this going to be a late disco and uh, I asked the receptionist uh, if there was indeed any functions on that evening and she did say yes there were three functions um, and I actually said to her, putting that on on the eve of uh, a marathon um, and your hotel was billed, you know, as one of the marathon friendly hotels. I said, God, that's that's runners and um, wedding guests <laughs> don't mix very well. Um, one's wanting to stay up really late, make a lot of noise. And the other one's 
wanting to go to bed early uh, and get up early. Um, so I thought, well, let's see see what happens here. I can't control it, so I bought my earplugs. So let's just see what happens. Um, as it turns out, we had a had a nice meal close to our hotel, and when we went to bed, not much noise at all, um, which was really good. Children settled brilliant, so I can't moan about that. But um, the room was incredibly hot. Um, it wasn't as if there was any radiators on even in the room, but I, I just don't know where the heat was coming from. Incredibly hot room. And um, as a result, I think I got, well, I know I got about 30 minutes sleep that night. Now, I know we all have not had great sleeps the night before marathons, but I do suffer with a bit of insomnia, which is another thing um, that I think if I'm going to actually have a good chance of getting this sub 315, I might have to look into. Uh, I don't really want to go uh, doctor route. Um, so whether I try and go a herbal sort of remedy route, I'm not sure. Um, because I didn't, so I didn't sleep on the Saturday night. Previous two nights, I hadn't slept either. Uh, I think on the uh, Friday night, I'd probably had about three hours, maybe four. And the night before that, even less. Um, and I, I really do think it's it's wearing me down. Um, there's only so much training you can do, and if you don't sleep for three nights before a marathon, um, the training really is is it, it's pretty. Doesn't matter what you do, you know. You can't you can't sort of beat it. Um, this would play a part later on in the marathon, I'm sure. I know it's an excuse, but I I just really just didn't have the energy um, and I'm pretty sure it was just purely the lack of sleep. Adrenaline can only keep you going so long. Um, but um, yeah, so so the room was lovely but very, very hot. My wife, I think, had a blissful eight or nine hours sleep <laughs> with me just staring at her, giving her an evil, evil look. Um, but um, the hotel uh, done a great uh, breakfast, had everything on the go uh, for the runners in the morning. I uh, went down and there was... I'd say about uh, 20, 25 runners I saw. All very quiet. It's, it's a shame. No no one was really, you know, there was the odd sort of nod, but uh, everyone was in their own little world, perhaps thinking about what lay ahead of them. And um, probably didn't feel that conversational. Uh, but very sort of unfriendly. Not unfriendly, but certainly not friendly either. Um, but uh, anyway, I'd done my own thing. Um, had a breakfast... Uh, and um, then made my way up to the room, quick shower and change, ready, as my wife and kids were sort of slowly sort of waking up. Uh, my plan was I was going to go to the start line, and then they were going to make their, going to have a, a more leisurely breakfast, and then uh, would see me first on the course at mile 7, then mile 13, and then I think 19... And then all the way, 26 at the finish. Um, there was a big gap there, and unfortunately it's a harder miles, but that was where public transport, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't get, get to very easily at all. Um, so that was the plan. So I uh, made my way to the Metro um, and uh, was surprised to see how many people were there. Um, the race start was at um, 9 o'clock uh, and literally only took... Uh, five to ten minutes on the metro I'd allowed quite a lot of time I actually got to the metro area for about eight and um, yeah it was pretty pretty full um, nervous runners 
and that uh, stink of um, oh I can't remember what it is what people spray before uh, uh, a muscle sort of spray that stench was in the air I thought everyone was going to pass out on the on the in the carriage to be honest on the on the metro um, but um, it was it's about five six stops um, to Manchester slowly getting busier and busier as 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 it went on and um yeah there's a bit of nervous chatter on there a few friendly people um and uh then got to the start area now i walked from the metro to the county cricket ground uh it didn't take long at all it literally is very close to the line you're talking a couple of hundred meters and as i saw a couple of baggage signs they weren't brilliant because they were at um sort of shoulder level rather than being up in the air so it's very difficult when it's really crowded to actually see the signs i think that's one thing um manchester marathon need to look at uh for next year um because few people couldn't really see them so it was it was just a case of following the masses if they've got a bag follow them if they haven't well they've dropped it already um but um i got the shock of my life as i turned the corner to where the baggage area was and literally there must have been Oh, six, seven thousand people all waiting to drop their bags into one entrance that was about the size of a garage doorway. Um, it all of a sudden I looked at my watch and thought, "Oh my God, this! I am not." Um, it was only ten past, quarter past eight, but I thought this is not going to happen. I wanted time to get to the start. I wanted time to do. A bit of a warm-up, I wanted time to collect my thoughts, I wanted time to find the pacer. Just time to sort of stand there and relax and think what's ahead. And all of a sudden uh, I was um, faced with this great vast number of worried people all trying to drop their bags into one small little doorway. Now, I must admit, I'm an Englishman uh, and usually I will queue. Um, but on this occasion, I have to hold my hand up and admit to the fact I jumped past about 6,000 people in the queue. I'm not um, proud of this, proud of this at all, but um, it had to be done for my peace of mind. Unfortunately, at this moment, it was a bit of a Titanic syndrome where it really was, I'm having that life jacket, um, sorry, I'll, um, I'll throw it back to you. <laughs> Once I'm on a boat, um, it was really sort of uh, one one for one. It wasn't one for all and all for one. It was one for one. And I, I did sort myself out at this stage. So I got rid of my bag and uh, I was to pay for that later on. So don't worry. Um, but um, I got rid of my bag and uh, then made my way to the start line. Now, it was uh, a mile and a half walk, so it was fine because I had time. I mean, the poor buggers um, still in the queue, they wouldn't have time. A lot of them missed the start, uh, and it was a bit unorganised uh, for the later people because they just didn't even know where the start was. Uh, it wasn't that obvious, um, to be honest. Um, there was a mat on the floor, uh, but... It, it, it was difficult because by the time a lot of other people had got there, spectators were wandering around. They didn't even know where the start was themselves, so it was very difficult. But um, I found the 3.15 pacer, and there was a lot of people sort of with the same intention I had, all gathering around the 3.15 pacer. Uh, I chatted to him. I said, what, what, what's your plan? Because uh, I'd actually worked out that I was going to run to uh, three... Uh, no, wait a minute. 
I'd worked out that my average was going to be around 721 uh, per mile and that would give me about a 312 so it gave me a few minutes of leeway um, but I asked the um, pacer what his intentions were and he said he was going to run at a uh, 729 pace um, so I thought and, and then speed up <laughs> in the last two miles and um, so I thought well okay you know he knows what he's doing that's his plan I'll run and then see, see what happens now as the race started um, we seemed to be going a little bit quick um, and I noticed quite early on that some of the mileage markers were way out of where they should have should be and where people's garments were telling them now I know that's a bit difficult sometimes um, to get it exactly right because you know you need something to tie it to so you might go the nearest lamppost um, and I know people all run you know a bit different but the mile markers were were quite out really near the start so it, it, I mean it, it doesn't affect you too much you've got to watch so you've got all the information you require but I do tend to usually try and run to the mile markers rather than my watch um, but on quite a few occasions they were out now whether someone had tampered with them oh, I don't know but but they certainly weren't to be trusted uh, too much now I quickly found that running behind the 315 pacer wasn't going to be for me because there was just too many people there I've experienced this before in a few races where the crazy amount of people all going for a three, sub 315 means that there's a big sort of group behind this 315 pacer and a bit of a pocket air pocket in front of him um, and you've got the choice you know you can jostle around and use all your energy running behind this guy or sort of run in front in relatively re relative ease you know without sort of people barging around you so and his 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 pacemaking seemed to be a little bit erratic where he'd you know take two miles easy then throw a quick mile in pretty fast which was all right for him he wasn't on his limit but a lot of people around him I think probably were on the limit um so the next time he sort of dropped off pace I sort of didn't and I stayed at my 721s um so I I really sort of stayed ahead of him um, and I think a few people had sort of done this so I wasn't completely on my own obviously um, I mean within this marathon I think there's between 12 and 14 sort of thousand people running it um, so running slightly ahead of him seemed to work well for me now I'll skip through the race because you all know not, not masses happens during the marathons um, but um, I saw my family my wife and kids at uh, our areas are 7, 13 and around 18, 19, I can't remember um, and I was on target on every single one of them every, my watch had, I think I'd done around 720s, low 720s all the way uh, I haven't actually got my splits in front of me unfortunately but, but all of my splits were bang on um, and my wife later on said she'd never seen me looking so comfortable in a race before. Um, you, <laughs> she did see me later on after 20. But, but, but up until sort of 20 miles, every split was the same. Uh, and it was really smooth, really comfortable. This is quite a flat marathon. Um, billed as the flattest in the country, although I think about three 
marathons claim that title. But um, there's only a few small hills, um, and they're really sort of more bridges uh, than, than sort of like hills. So you're only talking uh, the length of, say, 200 metres, where you've got a slight incline, uh, not much at all. Um, so every, I was really consistently running well uh, and feeling really good. Now, I've run 15 marathons in the past now, and I know that you do get to um, low points during marathons, and um, you've, you've got to expect them, but um, Manchester Marathon is something I, I'd never really experienced before, where around mile 20, I didn't just have a, a hard bit that I knew I had to push through. It was as though if my if my energy was water in a bathtub, someone had just pulled the plug. It just all evaporated. It just went down the plug hole. I had no energy what to speak of at all. Um, and it left. And I, I, I thought, well, it'll come, you know, I'll push, push through, it'll come back. But it just didn't. I, my mind wanted to do it but i just couldn't get my legs to move um so my splits really started to suffer um i, I just held with it i was still in front of the pacer so i thought right okay just 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 you know get through this period um have one of the nasty gels they were given out on the course uh, you know i think about four or five of these horrible gels i don't like them but and i'm trying to wean myself off of them but i'm in the in the middle of not really knowing if they're good during a run or or bad during a, a sort of race, you know, I, I'm sort of there. So I had what they offered on course, and um, and I had another one, hoping it would sort of g me up. But there was absolutely nothing in my legs. Now I don't know if this is it. This is down to the the lack of sleep. Um, I don't know because there was no indications throughout my training that I'd I'd struggle. You know, the the I mean, I'd finished every long run with a marathon-paced effort of around a third, you know, of, of the distance of, of that long run. And um, I really felt strong. And I thought in the later stages, this will really help me. But this was, I just had nothing left at all. And um, this is when you sort of sense the 315 pacer catching you 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 can hear it you 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 just sense there's a big group of people coming and oh, i've had this before in races and they swallow you up and i try to respond and i knew after a few steps i just couldn't do it and it's so so demoralizing it's um yeah <laughs> it's pretty pretty low point pretty low point um and he just drifted away and he was he was running with a uh, sort of flag, you know, saying the three fifteen on it. And when he got about I don't know hundred meters away, maybe maybe a little bit more, I thought he's still there. I can still catch him. I can this dream of mine. This can still live on. This can still happen. And I tried to put a burst in. I don't know what average I got my speed up to, but uh, I could. I don't know even if know if I was matching his pace or still losing, but I certainly wasn't making any inroads into him, and I think that was really the sort of final nail, you know, in 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 the in the coffin of trying to believe that the dream was still alive. He he drifted on, and and I thought, well, maybe 
maybe I could still sort of go for a PB. Um, and I sort of looked at my watch and I couldn't remember what average my my uh, minute miles were for my PB. So I switched my watch to the actual time that I'd been running. Um, and then I could look at that and see if I could battle against that. But to be honest, I still had no energy and I was just so drained, so drained. There was one water stop where I took two bottles on and I allowed myself to walk for, oh, I don't know, about 30 metres. I uh, put one bottle over my uh, quads because that's where the pain was. And the other bottle was half drank, half um, uh, put over my head. It was quite a hot day. Um, I couldn't have took really much more, more water on than I did, but I later on I, I, I knew I was definitely dehydrated. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I could have took much more water on than I, than I actually did. Um, <sighs> so I, I put the water over my quads and, and started running again. Uh, I was running slow at this point. I, I don't know my average speed, but it was slow. It was slow, slow for me, you know. And um, I didn't think I was going to get a PB as well. I just couldn't speed up. Um, for mile 19 to mile 25, there isn't really much um, crowd support on this route at all. Um, and I, I could have done with it. I really could have done with it. It, it um, might have G'd me up a little bit, uh, maybe to get the PB. Um, but um, anyway, I, I came into the last sort of uh, mile. The crowd's picked up here, especially sort of, you know, in this last sort of uh, three quarters of a mile, really picked up uh, maybe to the, you know, to the to the standard you'd expect of major, major city marathons where you got sort of three deep. Um and I, I sort of picked up a little bit, um, but but not not much at all. Um, my wife actually was in that amount at mile twenty six. I didn't see them that time. I'd seen them every other time, uh, all the other occasions, which was great. You know, shouting to the kids and all that. Um, but as I got over the finish line, I, I looked quite dejected. Actually, to be honest, it wasn't the uh, heroic punch in the air like I've done on a lot of previous marathons it was more of a that went wrong sort of like look uh, I stopped my watch and um, hobbled over to a, a piece of fence I usually just put my head on a piece of fence in to sort of recover myself a little bit and uh, as I did I almost found myself well I think I did I think I did blubber blubber a bit you know um it's only for a few seconds, um, very uh, unmanly of me, but uh, I just, I think the emotion of failing sort of really hit home all over, you know, all in space of a few seconds, and because I put it out there that I was going for this, and I really did feel I failed, and um, yeah, I know it sounds pretty hard on myself, but you know, when you when you set yourself a target, it's yeah it was the come down it was the come down but uh just at that second a, a chap put his head next to next to me on the railing and he was sobbing he was absolutely sobbing this guy you know i mean we all know what we put ourselves through but and i put my hand on his back and i said god look at us look at us too and uh, he sort of gave me half a look and uh I don't think he was ready really for someone to talk to him, but I gave him a bit of a slap on the back and then moved on. 
Um, and I got through, you know, I collected a, a, a race, uh, a goodie bag, and then hobbled through, collected my non-alcoholic pint of beer uh, that was that was okay. And then I went to find the baggage area. Now, unfortunately for Manchester 2016, this is what they're going to be remembered for. I turned a corner to pick up my bag and was horrified to see the massive queue um, snaking round uh, for the baggage pickup. Now, I joined this queue of runners who, at the time, were pretty good in high spirits, you know, all having a bit of a laugh and a joke. Luckily, it was a sunny day, although it was a bit of a wind tunnel, uh, people queuing in. Um, but this queue to this same one door the size of one garage um, snaked on for absolutely ages and ages and ages. Now, I chatted to a lot of runners, you know, uh, who was close to me and just in front, just behind, and it was okay, you know, it, it was bearable. I actually was standing in this queue for just over an hour. I've heard since that some other people weren't in it for two hours, 45 minutes, some approaching three hours. Um, there were foil blankets given out. That's all I saw. Um, the organisers said there was some food and drink given out, but I'm not sure if they were actually uh, including the, the, the packet of crisps that you'd already been given in your goodie bag. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure really if they were sort of including that. Um, they're lucky it wasn't a cold day. There would would have been hundreds of people uh, suffering with hypothermia if it had been. As it was, there was quite a lot of people in a bad way. Um, it, it was a, a a disaster. The the marathon said later on that they'd been let down. They'd uh, they'd they'd had the whole of this block of sort of garage you know this uh area um but it'd been cancelled they'd been let down and they only had a small part of it in the end i don't know how how much notice they'd been given about that if if they'd been given 24 hours notice i think they could have got eight lorries open up the sides of them and uh just sorted the problem very easily i mean uh it's their 40th year of arranging a, ma a marathon in manchester so you'd think they'd know by now you know, these, these it's a pretty simple thing, you know, the baggage. If you get it right, it's easy. If you get it wrong, God blimey, you know, it, it will slaughter you, especially in the in the days of social media. Uh, I don't think they can really get away with this. Um, and it's probably gone viral all around the world by now, I'd imagine. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I, I like I said, I stood there for about an hour. And um, it was... Uh, yeah, it was okay for me, but for others it was much worse. Uh, totally by luck, I found my wife and kids, because my wife's mobile had run out at this point, and uh, they'd come round looking in the baggage area, thinking, well, where is he? We've just seen him run past, and we can't find him. And uh, it was totally fluke that we saw each other, and we were linked up, but I think a lot of other families did have a lot of worrying times where they'd seen their loved one go past the finish, and then not heard of them for nearly three hours, and uh, I think really, I think a few people really had a panic. 
Um, the marathon uh, has since issued apologies uh, to uh, everyone, uh, offered them cheap discount uh, for next year's entry. Um, so let's see what happens. But uh, anyway, as usual, I forgot to actually mention the time that I ran the marathon in. I always do this. Um, I was aiming for 3.15, missed it. My PB was 3.25, uh, no, 3.23, sorry, I missed it. I ended up with 3.26, so I missed my PB by three and a bit minutes. Um, it's still one, one of my faster marathons, um, but next time, I think instead of aiming for sub 3.15, I might aim to beat my PB um, and then see what happens, see if I get anything extra on top of that. Um... But I have been running with joy this week. Maybe that means I didn't push myself hard enough. I don't know. Because <laughs> in previous mar marathon weeks, uh, the week after, I couldn't really walk. Um, so we'll see about that. Next run for me is Race to the Stones. It's 100k. Um, that's in July. So now I need to slow down and go long. Um, but anyway, that's it for the moment. Um, run with joy, everyone. And I'll do another race report on Race of the Stones. All right, see you, Peter. Bye-bye. So you're back with me on the run now. And uh, run walk. And um, still the walk break at the moment. <coughs> and slight rain. It's a, you know, here we are, May the 2nd. But um, the... Well, it's still got that April sort of feel to it. It's a bit of sunshine, reasonably mild, um, just a little rain shower. Uh, this is a bank holiday weekend in the UK, so lots of people are away, you know, at holiday destinations, be it uh, hotels or caravans or camping but enjoying just a few days out of routine does tend to mean that the roads later today will be busy and uh, we have a task today to drive to Cambridge which is about 190 miles um, trouble is we have to go around London on the uh, Orbital Ring Road the infamous M25 and that is loudly busy going up from here in Yeovil up the M25 we have uh, <coughs> a major route it's designated the A303 um, for much of its length that we're on it's a two-lane dual carriageway or two-lane highway and uh, <coughs> that means it's usually reasonably fast and flowing the trouble is that in still just, just a few places <coughs> it goes from two lanes to one they are always pinch points 
invariably there's a hold up there <coughs> and um, yes might be might be slightly slow but we're we're going to Cambridge we have um, a big birthday weekend in our household it's my eldest daughter uh, Bryony her birthday was yesterday and uh, she was 32 and um, today is Gina's eldest daughter's birthday Jenny and she's 30 and tomorrow as I say is my birthday um, it's not that we would necessarily drive to Cambridge to see Jenny today for her birthday except we have to deliver a small car to her um, she and her husband had a car um, one of those unfortunate incidents where he was waiting to pull onto a roundabout and the car behind the car behind him uh, ran into the back of the two vehicles in front and managed to write their car off. Um, not hugely damaged, but it's you know, not, a, not a new car. And the cost of repair quickly outstripped its value. So it's a write-off. So uh, Jenny and her husband work full-time and so Gina and I said we would uh, search for a car for them which we we duly did and uh, uh, a bit of a story um, we have a particular fondness now for the the Skoda brand now, Skoda has an amazing story really um, 20 plus years ago really before before the communist states rather failed in in Russia and then into Europe um, Skoda Czechoslovakian car maker had you know had been a good heritage but under communist uh, um, uh, management and practices um, it had become something of a joke um, you know they were deemed to be a very poor quality uh, and you know low cost but sort of car that you you generally wouldn't wouldn't rush to buy in most circumstances and then when everything changed in Europe in the late 80s and then into the 90s um, Skoda was taken over by the Volkswagen Audi group um, they also own Seat Spanish car maker and uh, the fortunes of Skoda were 
were just transformed because um, by bringing back quality control and pride in the product this this group and you know as I doubt about it they uh, they clearly wanted Skoda to be the if you will the the cheaper end of their their range options you know, Volkswagen and Audi always maintained a a strong market presence relatively high prices strong residual values um, but the Seat make then became the fairly standard you know good quality cars some nice vehicles but that was kind of the next tier down and then almost entry level were Scudders but they they were using the same floor pan you know, a lot of the same design practices they were incorporating a lot of the uh, nuances and of technology and and features of refinement which which were sought after in the the more expensive vehicles and so Skoda became increasingly acceptable and uh, we have a good friend in Scotland who I think is on a fifth or sixth Skoda um, she does a lot of miles in Scotland she wants a reliable car and these cars have been good for her so following her lead maybe hmm, seven years ago uh, we bought a Skoda Fabia Vegina, a small, small estate car um, 1900cc diesel engine and it's been an absolute train just such a workhorse for us yeah, it's now got um, nearly 160,000 miles on the clock still goes really well it's got lots of nice refinements like heated seats and heated wing mirrors and, and things that you know just just make it a car that we like um, so that's a long way of saying that we thought the ideal car for Jenny and Ben might similarly be a Skoda Fabia you know they, they they're good good long in the tooth cars and uh, after missing a couple of goodbyes do you know at this point I was just prattling on about cars and really <clears throat> do you when you tune into spikes want to hear me talking about motor cars I'm not sure you do not to the extent that I was that morning anyway I just talked and talked about motor cars so I'm going to finish here and I want to say a huge thanks to Jim for his great report from Manchester do you know I still feel that sub 315 is, is in you Jim um, you, you've obviously you've just got to get that one run where everything falls into place and and maybe if you hadn't have had the pre-run hassle, things would have been slightly better at Manchester. It sounded as if you'd you got everything so nailed until the 20-mile mark, but um, it'll come. It's there one day for you, and, and I hope that day's not too far away. But again, huge thanks for sending in that, that report, and we look forward to hearing from your next one. 
you um you really add most of the running material to this running podcast so i'm enormously grateful for that okay i'm going to sign off for now um uh, it's sorry as always it's been a long time between episodes i will uh, <laughs> i always say this i will endeavor to do more recording and i had a very interesting point from from chris russell on run run live the other day i was listening catch out with a with a podcast of his from from two or three weeks ago and he was saying you really it's a mindset it's not a case of you don't have time it's a case of what is the highest priority and i think that's a very valid point that he makes there that you got to think about anyway on that slightly philosophical note i'm going to uh, finish for today and say thank you very much for listening i hope you run and live and love with joy Beautiful places